Hey, it's Alexis Haynes, and this is my podcast, Recovering from Reality. How often do you go on other podcasts? I try to do it as often as someone will have me, but yeah. you know, we we pitch out and stuff, and sometimes it works out, and sometimes it doesn't. But it's like, oh, I'm, it's just like a treat, yeah. just to be the guest. You oh, know? I love that. Yeah, yeah. I um, we were just sitting down and talking, and I began talking about Sarah Silverman, who who went on this uh, rant yesterday at the Emmys about cancel culture, okay, and about how there's um, this righteousness. She called it righteousness porn going on, mm. where you can no longer, as a comedian, and I'm not a comedian, you are, yes, where you can't say things that are out of line anymore without all of a sudden this cancel culture coming in right. and saying, you know, you're done. And it was even I was at the Brett Shapiro Foundation ball banquet thing yes. the, on Saturday night, and this comedian came up to present Will Arnett, who was receiving the award, mm-hmm. and he made a couple of jokes. And, um, you know, one was about all of the college scandals and stuff like that because the, the event is around giving kids scholarships. If they test clean from drugs, they get a scholarship to college. Right. And you could hear the room going, Oh, too soon. I'm like, is it too soon? Like, what is this world that we live in now where it's like, everything is too soon and you can't say certain things if you're a comedian. Right. Well, I mean, I think. You know, in in many ways, I'm like, look, you ha- you don't want to be that grumpy old person that's like, I still want to use the R word, you know, well, or yeah. something. Like ten years ago, you could go, th- you could say something like, and that is, you know, I'm just going to say it for the pretense of, that is retarded. Like you could say that, and it could be a joke because it means it was mal something is malfunctioning. It doesn't mean you know, that your child, you know, uh, directing it towards uh, uh, someone that actually has, is disabled or whatever, um, child, you know, special needs. So then that, you know, so then when that was that, um, and I remember exactly where I was when, when someone's, because I was doing a show and we were opening for Chelsea and it was Josh Wolf myself and, um, I think Brad Wallach and, a couple of that was a word that we used on Chelsea lately 10 years ago um, to make jokes about things. And I remember my joke was um, so my son, I don't, you know, he goes to a private Catholic school and he has to wear a uniform. And every day he asked me to help him pick out of his, he, every day he asked me to help pick out his outfit. <laughs> I go, either he's the straightest guy on earth. Or he's fucking retarded. So that was my joke. Mm-hmm. And afterwards, this guy came up and he goes, such a great act, you guys. And he, and Josh had a joke where he used the word. And he goes, but this is my son. And I'd really appreciate it if you stopped using that word. And I go, that's fine. I took mm-hmm. the joke out. and never said it again. And I was like, I, I can't now go on stage and use something that I know could possibly be hurting someone like that inside. So with that, I get it. Now, has it has the pendulum swung so far to the other way? Yes. And it's scary when you see people losing jobs and things, which makes me really grateful that my career right now, I'm not dependent on anyone hiring me. Yeah, and let's, um, we'll talk about that too, how yeah. you're kind of doing this whole thing on your own, which is amazing. Well, yeah, but you know, but then there's still part of me that's like, we, um, I, I filmed my own special, so I produced my own special and we're literally going through it right now. 
And there's about three little jokes that wouldn't make or break my hour. They don't, I could cut them out. The stories could still work. Mm-hmm. You know, and I, and then I asked the producer, like, do you think these three jokes are something I have to cut out? You know, one is um, an accent that is truly my nail lady. And it goes with the story mm-hmm. that I'm telling and what she honestly said to me when that happened. I'm not doing a blatant, all Asian people are this way. This is her just like if she was from Texas and would have told me the same thing, I would have said her voice. And all my stories have been based on really real people. I don't ever just go, and Indian people do this. I've never done that. It's always like a specific. So God, we could analyze it and everything. But then I'm like, when the special comes out and I get 24 tweets saying I'm a piece of shit, was it worth it? Like, I don't know. Is it worth it? Like, how righteous am I going to be about this? Um, You know, so I'm still kind of deciding. And he's like, I think everything is fine. He's like, but you might want to ask Silvio or you might want to just say, fuck it. You know, it's, it's, that's what it is with Dave Chappelle. I said, I loved that Dave Chappelle was so the way he was and addressed his, and the jokes were politically incorrect. And I'm sure people did get triggered, but on the same respect, this didn't, suddenly pop up on FM radio. You weren't going through ABC. It, it showed up. It was on Netflix. It takes you three, pro, you know, three things to actually get to him. So then that's yeah. what's kind of beautiful about things. You don't, you don't have to be subjected to yeah, anything you, you don't to want to. You choose what yeah. you do and do not want. I think that there's a couple of things that come to mind um, when I'm thinking about this. First and foremost, the pendulum swinging, right? Yeah. Like we used to be so far, like you can say whatever you want and get away with it and it's fine. Right. And now we're like, where everyone's tiptoeing of like, this is a really funny joke, but do I actually have to like cut this out? And, and there are, of course, certain things that we shouldn't be saying anymore. Right. And I 100% agree with that. The other side of it um, is... I would ask anybody who's triggered by some of these lighter things that now I'm seeing everyone's like, oh, that was so terrible, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, okay, what is it in you that's being triggered? You know, it's kind of like, let's talk about that. Like, well, first of all, where did the word trigger come, come from? from? It wasn't even around like a year and a half ago. I know. And I mean, I, I think it's it's kind of unfair because it's like, you know, someone that has Tourette's or somebody that really has a disability is truly triggered by things, sounds or, you know, mm-hmm. like someone that's maybe on the spectrum could be triggered by like a light, a bright light or a bright sound. They have to wear headphones and that's a whole thing. And then to just act like anyone can be triggered because they see, you know, because they heard or read something on Twitter, yeah. I think is really kind of unfair and lame. And it's been way too used. And I you're mean, subjecting yourself to that. That's, yeah. That is, so that's the last part is that you get to choose what content you you know, some people are like, you should put a trigger warning at every single one of your episodes, Alexis, because you talk about sexual abuse. And I'm like, and and this last episode that I did before you, I did because we went into grave detail yes, about yeah. that sexual abuse. Yes. But most of the time I'm like, you know what? Don't consume my content. Like my content is about like evolving and we're going to talk about some pretty radical shit on here. And if you're not down for that, then like this is not the podcast for you. And that's okay too. It's like not everybody's going to enjoy my content. Well, actually when you were on, Mm-hmm. I got real pissed off by a comment, which of course I only dwell on the ones that aren't nice, um, which <laughs> well, I love same. all the ones that are nice. And those do like warm my heart and I have tears of joys too, but oh, sometimes I get really pissed. <laughs> and um, 
you know, someone wrote like, Heather, you, you had Alexis Nyers on, you don't even know what you're talking about. And, you know, what are you going to crack an egg on the ground and go, this is your, this is your brain on drugs, which is like an old thing from the eighties. Like they'd crack this egg. It was this old commercial. <laughs> and I was like, you did not even listen to what I said. I go, first of all, what I said was my opinion in that, you know, do you think that there should be more visual movies that might scare kids? And Alexis said, I disagree. I don't think anything that matters. I think it matters about how you're raised. And, and that's, you know, your experience as an expert. I am not an expert. And so I wrote this person. I go, yeah, I appreciated the conversation. And I'm like, and I am not Dr. Drew. Like, mm-hmm. I'm a comedian. I never no, said I we was. We need to realize who we're talking to. It's a here. podcast. Yes. I'm, I, I all the times, but like I don't work for CNN. Yes. Like shut up. You know, I've <laughs> never. Ex- people expect a lot out of us. Yeah, like in a ridiculous amount out of us. Right, and and and, and, and it started out with a girl saying like, "I've gone to your shows. I'm a you know I've I've paid for shows. I've bought merch. I've been a fan all these years. And then we look, and it's like you know a fake." account mm. and I'm like it's not you you want to piss me off today and so then when I said that I go you know I don't think you're even real and then did she ever write back no she didn't because no. I caught her in her place I'm like you know let me just come to your work right now and just like it, I mean you and think, tell you what you're doing incorrectly yeah you know it's so like, I'm like I've never tried to be anything but I like to explore different things and talk about other things and but I definitely am to go back to the Sarah Silverman I definitely am you know, more careful because I don't like to get the criticism and I don't like to ever think that something I said hurts someone, Yeah, you know, but at the same time, I'm not, I don't work for NBC, so fuck it. You know, like I don't, I'm not on the Today Show yeah. where someone can, you know, pull up some old thing of mine, it can be ruined. But a lot mm. of it too with the comedians is so many of the comedians are, you know, are so liberal in the sense of, um, you know, of, of just the way the liberal agenda is. Yeah. So then I think people want to call them on their hypocrisy. Well, we are in this whole thing with, because I'm very far left, obviously. Right. Um, I, centrist and more financial stuff, but like yeah. far left on social justice right, and all of, course, of that, right? Which I think most people are. Most so. people are. But it now it becomes the pain, pain awards of like, who has the most pain? Who has, and, and it's like, I 100% know yeah. that, people of color suffer far more than white people right. do. Like I understand my privilege that men, that women suffer more than men, that transgender people are being murdered in the streets. I know all of these things right. and I do actively try in my day-to-day life to support these people, right? Yeah. And it, but it, it's almost, it becomes like this, like you're not doing enough. Like it, it just, it, it becomes this whole thing in social media now where we hold, we hold, everybody on this pedestal right. and if you're not hitting the mark then everybody will come after you right and i think that it makes us want to reserve the content that we're producing because we're afraid that we're going to step out of line or yeah. do something wrong and there is no grace we no longer have grace for peer- people to go mm-hmm. this was wrong well, I'm, this was wrong. I didn't know about this. I've right. since educated myself on it. I am so sorry. And let's move on. I remember one time my dad was um, couldn't go to my brother's football game or something. And my mom was mad. And she goes, I mean, you're not going to go. I mean, I'm, didn't your dad go to your games? And for the first time, my dad thought about it. And he goes, no, actually, my dad never went to one of my games. Mm. 
Now, why? Maybe because that wasn't what people did back then. That was their kid's activity. They didn't even know like where the school was. That was the dad. He was a fireman. It was his day off. He didn't care about football and seeing my dad. But to now we would go, that's just shocking. My dad was like the star of the team and the, the fireman yeah. didn't go see him. Yeah. You know, but it's like everything is is relative to that. You know, I remember like seeing like, like couples, like <laughs> when my kids were younger, I'd see some like hippy dippy dude and you have like some, you know, a baby Bijorn and they're going to like the local, like, you know, little walk around fair. And I'm like, my husband's never going to fucking do that. <laughs> we're never going to go like buy organic soap <laughs> with our kid on a Saturday. It doesn't mean my kid has it's not a good dad. But yeah. it's like everybody has their own thing. Yes. And it doesn't mean that like, you know, and yes. I can't make him go do that. We're not going to go to a music. I remember, I remember having like this, this lady come to like teach me how to do baby massage. <laughs> I had to like look I can't, at. I like you a lot, but I can't imagine you doing an infant baby massage. I just was like, let's try this, you know? <laughs> and so then lady comes over and I had to like put Drake down. And then she's like, now you have to say, can I touch you? And, you know, and like, and then you have to talk. And the baby's like four months old. I almost spit my And Peter walks in and he just sees me doing this. He's like, what? Can I go, I yeah, you? you're right. Like, do I want to spend $60 a session? And she's not even doing the massaging like I am. And I'm just like, this is just. I mean, I'm very crunchy. <laughs> I'm not that crunchy. I always just, I mean, I talk to my kids like, it's bath time. Let's get in the bathtub. Yeah. But I wasn't like, is it okay if I undress you right now? I mean, like, can I massage your body? Like, yeah. I mean, it just, yeah, that's a little, that's. Yeah, it was just like, and then I was like, all right, you know, some things I'm into and some things I'm not, you know. But yeah. that's what I think. I just think people change. And of course they can change and they can change their mind and they shouldn't, you know. But it's, I think it's a lot of that. It's like, I gotcha. Yeah. I got you. Yeah. You know, in 2007, you tweeted this. I got you, you know? And so, yeah. I mean, I don't know how I feel about that SNL guy. I just, do you know about the SNL guy? Yeah. So he was using like a clearly race, racist I mean, it was slur. pretty, it, ra- was, it, it was a it, long there, convers- There's no funniness uh, in that. First of all, it there was, was nothing totally funny. unfunny. What that was, was funny? the saddest part about yeah. it. And he's on a podcast, which was only a year ago. Mm-hmm. So you didn't have the Kevin Hart excuse where it was like 10 years ago. It was literally last year. It's 2018. Yeah. yeah. And they go on and and it was really awful. It's like they were. he was literally ripping on Chinese immigrants who come here and have their own business and are trying to serve beautiful food and don't speak the language perfectly. Yeah. No. That was it. it and was he wasn't wrong. even like really doing like characters or accents. It was just like a rip on it where he just went down, you know. Uh, but didn't he use like the C word? Like, didn't he call them? I think he did. C U N T? No. Oh, Chinese. No, I thought. Okay. <laughs> you mean C H I N? Yeah, I thought he said I don't know that. How you spell it. Yeah. Ooh, I don't. I th- maybe. I, don't I thought he did. I. I could. Yeah. I could. Hear I honestly one of think them. what ruined it was that it was just so boring and unfunny. It, I think people was, were like, "Why are you hiring this boring and unfunny person?" Now he yeah. might have a great stand-up and great other characters, but the world did not see that for the week that they were deciding whether to keep yeah. him or not. So yeah. I think everyone was like, "Yeah, get rid of him. Like, it's not even funny." Howard Stern talked about this, and he was like, "I mean, back in the day, you used to be able to go to clubs and try your material out yeah. and do all the stuff." And 
And then if it was a miss, it was a miss. And I'm like, is that really the material he would have tried at a club? Like that didn't sound like material. No, that was right. clear. It was clearly wrong. And I think it is a very fine line between like, are we crossing a boundary here or are we just being funny? And is this well, a good I mean, joke? And that's, and the thing about podcasting is like, it is a relaxed place. Mm-hmm. It is someone eavesdropping on two people having a conversation. And I, I don't want that now to be picked apart for oh, a thousand I episodes. I'll quit. You guys, if you like this and you like <laughs> Heather and all of the other podcasts, we're going to make mistakes. We're going to yeah. absolutely make mistakes. And we have to make judgment calls. And for me, like, it's a solid no that I'm going to put trigger warnings on the front of every yeah, single episode. No. It's a and then, solid and, you know, And no. there's been times with, with something else where it comes out and then, oh, maybe that was a little harsh, whatever. Mm-hmm. And then you can go you and digitally remove it, mm-hmm. you know, and like, that's it. You Okay, thank you. Absolutely. Heard you. D- not necessary. Didn't yep. think about it. it. Rarely now, though, because I'm pretty like conscious of it. And I also am in a level of like, this is my show and I don't care. And, you know, mm-hmm. so, but at the same time, I'm not, I'm not someone out to like hurt anyone's yeah. feelings or be lazy. And pretty much everything is you know, truthful and part of my life. So I don't really, I like, I barely edit. Like I don't really edit. Like, and I've, uh, there's only one time where I messed up somebody's last name and then then I was like, okay, well we got to go fix that. And and so, but you know, my truth is my truth and what I think is what I think. And you either vibe with me or you don't. And I am all about human rights and I am very liberal, but you know what I mean? And if you disagree with me on certain things then that's okay too, I came under heat about talking about vaccines and literally people go and like review because they don't like that one episode out of 35 of my other, I'm sorry, amazing episodes. I've got thousands of, you were pro. My daughter was injured. I was totally pro. And then my daughter had a problem and her doctor advised us to stop. And I got fucking shit for that. People were like, oh, she's a, she's total anti-vax. No, I'm not. Go do whatever you want for your kid. I'm talking about my story. Like these are the stresses that I was under that caused me to be suicidally depressed. These are the things that I went through at the time that were really hard. Because people were reaching out and being so. uh, No, no, no. I was suicidally depressed. My daughter was being, she was sick, so sick. And I didn't know what was going on. And we were dealing with all this stuff. And I was dealing with like all of this health stuff myself. And it led to like a huge bout of depression. Oh, and yeah. So whatever. And so people want to like, we put people in boxes and yeah. it, it's dangerous doing that because you would probably agree with everything else that I said on all other 34 episodes. And you're going to give me a one star review because you didn't like the one thing that I said. It's like, come on, come on. We can't be there. People anymore. just love to be they do. heard, you know, and they, they mm-hmm. just, you know, very much like, let me get here and write this. And yeah. that's fine. You know, just like if I'm using this medium to make money and, and sell tickets to shows, then you also, with your 10 followers, can write me something mean. You have that right too. Yeah. You don't like it? You can tell me. Mm-hmm. It's it makes our job hard. You know, yeah. I'm always like, oh, let's go back to the days of like the 1970s where your publicist would only give you like the best, you know, news <laughs> in the world. And yeah. but then those people walked around like assholes too, and they yeah. weren't, you know. And they, I mean, we're pro- our celebrities are probably a lot more down to earth because they hear the shit because they hear that they mm-hmm. have you know a weird mouth. 
<laughs> and you know, and that they weren't yes. good in that movie, and they yeah. hear every single comment. So I mean, but it can go the opposite way too, where it like really impacts your mental health. Of course, health. yeah. And I'm doing this podcast because I love it. I'm actually not really making any money right now, yeah. and I've been doing this for a year, making no money, just trying to help people get sober good. and get yeah. better. And yeah. it's like. So I'm doing this as a passion project because I love it and I'm pouring my heart and soul into it. And so it kind of, it burned, but whatever it is what it is. Yeah. And there's nothing that, that I can do about it, you yeah. know? And like I said, there's also a level of personal responsibility of like, if I don't like your content, I'm not going to, you know what I mean? Like yeah. the, all the girls on Instagram that sell skinny me tea, I don't follow any of them anymore. I literally went through and unfollowed them because I am really against diet culture. That's my personal opinion. Like I'm allowed to do that. Right. And you're allowed to unfollow me too. Yeah. Um. So let's, I would love to dive into your life a little bit more. Sure. You talked a lot about when I came on your podcast about your brothers and their struggles yes. and stuff like that. What was it like growing up as a kid for you? So I'm the youngest of five and my parents um, came out here and they had my brother, my two brothers and my sisters like close together. And then my mom like went on the pill, like when the pill was new and then some friend of hers got a blood clot. So she went off the pill and then she had two more kids, which is my sister and me. And then my mom, and then this is like funny because then when I was like 15 and I knew my mom still got her period and I knew that my parents were still having sex, I was like, mom, what are you doing to not get knocked up? Like you're being irresponsible. Like you're, you're going to have a child, you know, that's not healthy most likely because you're like pushing 50. Like, what are you doing? And finally she's like, oh my God, leave me alone. She kept, and finally she's like, okay, your dad had a vasectomy, he found a priest in San Diego that would like bless the procedure and because it was like against the religion. Yeah. <laughs> and so I was like, oh, okay, well, at least I'm not like staying up at night, like worried, you know, that my mom's going to I love like- that as a kid, you're worried about this. <laughs> like that this is something that's actually crossing your mind. At 15, this is the farthest thing that I, I was know. That's what I was about. saying. Like, because that would seem like so, like, because <laughs> at the time, like my sister was gone. I was the last one there. I could drive myself to school and I'd have to wake up in the morning and make my own breakfast. My parents slept late because they were in real estate. So they kind of worked late. And they didn't have to wake up anymore. And if I needed like a check for something, I would go and wake them up and go, I need a check for a cheerleading uniform or something. And there'd be mornings where that door was locked. And I'm like, fucking irresponsible slut. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> I love what it. are you doing? And so I, I was so it. happy to hear my dad was fixed because I was like, Jesus, no you know? more children. And, um, you know, and so, but so growing up when I was little, they were teenagers. So they were like, when I was like eight, you know, they were 17, you know, 18. And, um, and I think my parents were just, they were not aware of like the pot and drug culture that was happening. Because they come came from like the Mad Men era, so they were like having you know they drank mm -hmm. you know martinis and all that, but not not into pot or anything. And so some of my memories that are juicy <laughs> that you guys that your audience would enjoy is I just remember my, so we had this addition that was all attached to the house, but if you came through the garage and knocked on this door, that door would be one door away from my brother's room. And so my parents were busy all the time being realtors. And in those days, there were no faxes. Like, everything had to be presented. And yeah. so they were in gone person. a lot. Yes, yeah, mm -hmm. so they have gone a lot. So, and all, all these, like, hippy-dippy kids with, like, long rocker hair. This was, like, the rocker era, like, the Motley Crue time. They would all come and uh, 
and just be like, hey, is Jim here? You know, and so then he'd go and, and he would, um, <laughs> I just said his name, who cares? I don't really care. He'd probably love it. He doesn't mind. So <laughs> he, um, and I'd be like, God, my brother has so many friends. They don't stay very long, but they're such great. Well, he was selling like to everybody in the neighborhood. And then I remember I had a friend over who's still my friend to this day. I and mean, then she, this was just a very traumatic thing for her to see. But they, either my mom found like the suitcase that had like scales and stuff and told my dad and he, I remember him throwing my brother against the bed and being like, you tell them to pick you up right now. They can fucking get the limo here and you can fucking go with the drug dealers. And, you know, and we were just like, oh my God, like, you know, had no, I mean, this is, I'm like eight yeah. with like a little friend over going, oh, oh sorry, God. I guess my brother's <laughs> friends were Dealing customers. Drugs. And then he was also yeah. growing the pot in the back. And he was like, this is for tomatoes. And I was like helping him and, you know, um, and so that was just, you know, so there was that, you know, that, that element of it. And then my other, that was my one brother. And then my other brother was, got very into, you know, became an alcoholic pretty young, like 15, really bad. And he was like, and again, my parents were like doing some real estate deal downstairs and he was going into the liquor cabinet and like drinking and I was seeing him do it. And it was like the afternoon, like a Saturday afternoon. And he's like, hey, do you want to come with me to go down to Target? Or it wasn't Target at the time, it was called Jemco. And I was like, yeah. And then he was like, all right, let's go. And there was just something that was like, don't go. Like, I just was like, no, I don't think I want to go. He's like, all right. And like within 10 minutes, my parents get this call that he had like wrapped his car like around this pole. Mm. And it was like this big beater car that who even knew where the seatbelts were. So I would have been like eight and sitting in the front yeah. seat. And, and like we went thrown. to go look at it. And yeah. I like, I probably would have been decapitated had I been in that car. Wow. And my dad was always just like, you have great judgment. And I, I do. I think I, I, I'm sure I've made mistakes in life, but I do have that like voice of like that I did learn to listen to really young about things and people and, you know. Do you ever feel like it's a little bit of maybe because things weren't like that stable with them, like a little bit of like not paranoia would not be the right word, but just like fear around. Uh, de- the, I definitely. Like, the fear kind of charges that like yes. this doesn't feel safe. I'm definitely a fear based person. I still get scared about stuff. Um, someone knocks on my door. I'm I'm scared. Mm. I don't know if it's what it is. I don't know if I'm going to be sued. Is it the mailman or a burglar? Is it, or it, yeah, is someone, it someone serving, serving me? me? What is it? So it's like like that that part of like my yeah. life, um, and got, like very scared of like authorities throughout like having jobs and things, and you know. Um, so that so that's even when even when like a manager calls me or my agent, he's like, like, "What's going on?" Hey, um, I'm like, "Fucking, what is it?" Mm-hmm. You know, like, "Oh, the ticket sales aren't good." Like, I never think it's something good. Well, it rarely is, but I'm just like, so I just I do think there's certain kind of people, and I think that yes, I was fearful of it was not like a calm life, but at the same time, I always felt like. I'm not going to play that card. And I'm like, no, I was really lucky. Like I had a nice house and I had two parents and they thought I was amazing. And they like, my mom cooked and she worked and, 
they gave me everything I ever wanted. You know, they paid for private school. They paid for college. They encouraged me to do things. I had a car. So to me, I think I had a very, again, privileged life. And, and I don't think, and when we talk about like privilege and white privilege, I think the biggest thing is having a stable home, regardless of your color. That's a whole nother thing. But I think, you know, and I didn't really realize that, that until recently. I have a friend that I grew up with and she's going through a hard time with her second husband. Her first husband wasn't good. Now the second one has proven to be really bad too. And she didn't have a dad. And she was like one of the, she was the only person in our group that didn't have a dad at home. Um, and I didn't think it was any big deal. You know, I thought it was fun to go to her mom's house. The mom was only 18 years older than her. And I remember going, oh my God, like, you know, calling her house and I was joking and the mom was being like, are you telling me Heather McDonald, 14 year old Heather McDonald, 33 year old blank her name. And I was like, your mom's only 33. 33? Like I just, my God, you know, cause yeah. I, I was like the last, my dad had me at 45, my yes. mom was 35. So I'm like, who has a mom who's 33? Like, I was just like, this is crazy. So I always thought there was nothing wrong with it. But then I think, and, and I think she did too. Cause I think she didn't, necessarily have like I don't think she wanted to be that person that you know because she's like you know I got to go to school and blah 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 but I think people need to realize that like you know that that is something and and then the the bad part of my deck was that I had like these siblings that were you know causing a lot of trauma to our childhood but at the same time those are the things that you know really had an impact on like how I led my life and how I, you know, when given the opportunity to like have a fun, like, Ooh, would you like to go to this nightclub and try this, you know, cocaine and stay out all night? I was like, no, no, I know where that leads. And, you know, I remember my sister coming to home one day and she'd like, she was really curvy. So she'd lost a lot of weight, but it like looked great because she like still had an ass but like she looked thinner. So I was like, you look amazing. Like forget all these fucking haters. You look great. Like I didn't know, like she's, she's sitting having dinner and like the blood starts coming down her nose. And my mom is like, what is, what is you know, and you? I don't even think my mom like understood what cocaine, you know, cause it was like, they were so old school and like, you know, and so I was like, oh, that's why she's skinny, you know? And um, so things like that, I, that's kind of what Kate kept me like, extremely on the straight and narrow. And just also, I always say like, I love, um, I really enjoy alcohol. Like I really enjoy like a wine glass. I really enjoy a champagne experience with cake. I really like a Bloody Mary at a football game at USC. I like a margarita on the beach. Like I like the whole, and because I know that there's alcoholism in my family and stuff, I've treated the alcohol with a lot of respect so that I never did get to that place. And I've had days where I wake up and I'm like, ooh, and I'm regretted it. And, you know, not so much recently, but in the past and stuff. But I've also been like, oh, I, you know, I never, I think that's why too. Like when you see that around that you try not to. But I agree with what you said too, that, you know, everybody is different and there is no formula to it. Yeah. But for me, my parents not sheltering it at all because they couldn't. 
they weren't going to be like, go to your room. You can't hear this. Like the house wasn't big. So like I knew everything and I knew like when someone didn't come home and I knew when we were being sued because my brother got in a car accident and someone lost his eye because he was drinking. And I knew like, and then we'd go visit and every Wednesday night we'd go to the rehab place, which was my first love for Juicy Scoop. So I got to hear some real juicy mm-hmm. stories. Uh, yeah. um, but also like some, you know, weird, like weird, sad stuff too, you know? And so, yeah. So it shaped you into this person who, wanted to do better. And I think that that's the thing, like when this person wrote to you and I think I read one other comment where someone was like, she didn't really seem to get it. And it's like, but there, there are different, there are, first of all, in a family dynamic, there's always different players. Right. And everybody, some people are more resilient than others. Some people aren't, some people, you know, everybody has a different perspective and a different chemistry. Right. Mm -hmm. And so it's like some people, can actually have that foresight of like, this is danger. And I feel like too, and I don't, and I'm, I don't want to minimize your trauma because that sounds like a lot of trauma. I mean, I don't think, I don't think, but I don't think it was that much trauma. Like, I don't know compared to other people. I mean, at eight, I don't... seeing my dad like throw my brother against the wall for dealing pot in the house and like yeah. drinking and driving and smashing cars and all of that stuff. No, I guess it I, is. You know, I, I'm not <laughs> trying, to, don't be I'm that not trying to break that's... your narrative. No, here. but I also don't want to be that person that's like, whoa, ho, boo, who is me? Because I like also joke that, you know, like everybody that wins an award is like, I came from the South side of Chicago. Mm-hmm. I'm sure the South side of Chicago is rough. I don't know. I've yeah. never been to the South side of Chicago. But I'm always, like, I'm kind of like, well, what would I say? You know, yeah, but oh, look I at, came from the South side of Ventura Boulevard yeah, where but, there were lots of coyotes. Like, <laughs> But I would argue, look at this entire community that we live in. You live out here too. And it's, it is wealth. It is upper middle mm-hmm. class and sometimes upper upper class depending on which area you live in um and the heroin epidemic is everywhere all the kids are addicted to heroin and so um i would say we're in this really crazy time Mm -hmm. and that we that we also can't like minimize like the stuff that we've been through like that sounds really hard that does it sounds really hard and people have different perspectives and i think that um what's worked for you has clearly worked. You know what I mean? Yeah. And what I chose and, and was to escape with drugs and that worked for me for a while too, until it didn't anymore. Right. And then it was like, I had to make a different choice. And so you didn't have my experience and I didn't have yours and I didn't have your resilience and you didn't have my down or need to escape in that way. Right. And so it's like, we can, but we can still come together and relate and, and say like this, this was crazy and we have alcoholism in our families and it's hard and it's messy often and it's heartbreaking. And so we can come together on that. And so while people might've been like, Oh, she just didn't get it or you don't, whatever, whatever the criticism was, it's like, but she does. You get your own story. That's your thing. And I get mine and we get to come together and talk about it. Yeah, I mean, it's, and it's just beyond, heartbreaking that like somebody can be completely fine and within weeks be like totally addicted. And I think that is what is so terrifying um, about the the street drugs and the prescription drugs that are happening right now. And it's, you know, not socioeconomic. And it was one of the things in Dave Chappelle's stand-up act that kind of like really hit me 
um, as a real truth. And he goes, you know, now there's all these white heroin, heroin addicts or something. And he's like, and how did he say it? It was really funny. He goes, I mean, he goes, and people ask me, how do I feel about it? And he goes, the same way white people felt about when all the black mm-hmm. kids were dying from heroin. Yeah. Like sometimes, and that's something being honest, like you see it on TV, you see, you know, a, a news report about a ghetto and, and everything. You've, we've all seen that. But when you then drive down your nice street, and you see the white girl that still has great highlights from just a few weeks ago with fucked up skin holding a sign at the in and out. Yeah. I'm like, what the fuck? And I'm like, you're, yeah, Heather, you know, this has been going on in all these neighborhoods and now it's in yours. So now you're getting angry. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, I can honestly say, yeah, now, and as my kids get older and they, they're more likely to be affected. Like, yeah, I get more pissed and angry about it. Um, but again, I've, I've kept the attitude of my parents in that I did not shelter anything. I've ta- you know, I've seen it. I've talked to them about it. I've showed them it, you know, um, I've said you, you know, the, how quickly it can happen. I ask all the time. Doesn't mean that they're not never got. Yeah. It doesn't mean that they're not the junior year of college that some shit's not going to go down. I don't know. Yeah. You know, it's like, I remember my, my stepdaughter, was, she told me, like, you know, that she's had, you know, was drank and then tried pot. And she's like, are you mad? And I'm like, no, I'm not mad. I'm just really glad that you told me. And before she went, my biggest thing about telling her, you know, about experimenting and stuff, because I knew she would, she did nothing in high school, but I knew she would in college. You know, I really talked about how, like, you know, the amount of food that you have to have in between these cocktails to not get wasted and like make sure you don't no one puts anything in your drink and because I know of course you're going to have beers and jello shots. It is smart though because so many kids and this is something that we actually are starting to offer at the treatment center is kind of like a pharmacology 101 like if you combine this pill and alcohol this is what will happen to you. If you do this and this this is what will happen to you because at this point, it is about not dying. Just yes. don't die. Like if you can, you know, if it doesn't matter if you're the worst heroin addict in the world, if you can not die for long enough, your chances are eventually you're going to get sober. And so it is smart as a parent to be having these yeah. conversations of like, if you go to a party and take a Xanax and drink alcohol, your respiratory system will go in full on distress and you can die. Like we need to be having these more open dialogues. Yeah. With I our mean, children. I definitely say no pills, no powdery yeah. substances, you know, pot, pot's a whole other thing. But I also say, well, you know that a Bud Light is the same Bud Light in every county in L.A. In yes. co- in the you don't country know that you the buy. pot you're getting. You don't know the pot you're it's getting. Totally so it's like, now. I kind of say that too, you know. And then I also, but also with my daughter, I was like, you know, you need to be um, a friend to, you need to be aware of whatever friend you're with. And if mm-hmm. you need to control your own drinking, but you need to be with that friend at all times. And you know, and I told her of a story when my friend got into a cab after a party, and I remember going, she's not okay. I probably shouldn't let her go with this guy. Mm. But she went, and she was raped, and she was raped because she, like, woke up in the middle of it, and she did not intend to have sex that night. Yeah. She absolutely, you know, no way she could give consent because she was completely out of it. Um, it didn't you know, didn't press charges or anything at that time. 
Um, but to this day, 25 years later, I'm talking about it. Yeah, like to this day, it affects her to this day. And yeah. it affected me. And I, we're still best friends. And I'll say, I just, it's like a movie of her getting in that car. Mm-hmm. And those are the stories that, that I would tell my daughter too, because I'm like, don't, don't have that on your conscience. Like, don't be that friend that thinks your friend's okay. You don't think she's okay. Be that, you know, be that girl that, you know, have each other's back as far as like not putting yourself in a vulnerable situation. If you've had something to drink or, yeah, or pot or whatever, but talking about the death thing, I mean, there was a story and you might be aware of the story. And I want to say it's on the East coast, this family, they had four boys and the boys were like senior and a junior or something were the two olders. And they all went to like a party together and they came home for the party, said goodnight to the mom, like was not even wasted, was okay. One went to sleep in his room. The other one went to sleep downstairs, like in the basement, and he had a couple friends over. The mom wakes up, goes to the older boy's room, who's by himself, to wake him up. He's non-responsive, he's dead. Mm. She calls an ambulance. At the same time that that ambulance comes, another ambulance comes because the boy downstairs, his friends couldn't wake him up either. And they were both dead. And I, they took some type of a pill that has, you would know better than me. I Probably don't know fentanyl. what. That's what it is. Mm-hmm. And yeah. So I mean, those are the stories were like, oh my god, you know. And it was something like he thought he was taking like an ecstasy or something that you he'd done know. before. Yeah, you never know. Yeah, yeah. It, it is really scary. The. Uh, Bob Forrest, a friend of ours, always talks about how back in the day when he was a heroin addict, drug dealers wanted to keep you alive because <laughs> they would you wanted to come back, right? They wanted yeah. a repeat customer. But yeah. now they have so many customers, they don't care if you die. So they're cutting all their drugs with fentanyl and they're killing all the kids. And so they, they cut the drugs and the fentanyl fills up the stuff? It's like a filler. And um, literally it can take like a couple granules of salt, that amount, that small amount to kill you. Um, it is one of the strongest sedatives that there is. And yeah, kids are kids are dying from it. And it's it's happening um, all the time. And now there's pill presses, which is another freaky thing. So What's you can that? buy a pill press online that makes it look like a Xanax bar or whatever. And it's not really a Xanax. So you think, oh, I'm just going to take this bar and have a couple beers, chill with my friend. But it's cut with fentanyl and then that's it. And then you never wake up. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we just did an event in the park actually in Santa Monica where we were giving out free Narcan because everybody yeah. needs Narcan now. It's just kind of that time. It's well, that's nuts. what the um, the Queen of Versailles, you mm. know her story? No. So the Queen of Versailles, um, I call her the Queen of She did this documentary that was huge about 10 years ago. Mm. Uh, she and her husband were building the biggest single family residences in America. It's like, I don't know, 80,000 square feet. They owned all these timeshares. And she had eight kids, and she was the much younger wife, but still had eight kids together. And her older daughter... Oh, this was recently. Accidentally OD'd. Was it recent? Yeah. And so they've... I remember that. So, you know, they've gone to the Senate or whatever, Mm. begging for the narco... Narcan. Narcan to be, you know, available. It should be available. And, you know, it's in police cars and everything. But it really has to be everywhere. And, and it's something that has to be administered quickly. So it's something like if your kid is at a party and someone's not responsive, they need to give the dose right there. It has to be immediately. Because if the brain is not receiving oxygen, that's it. 
So you know, people need now like a fire extinguisher and this? Um, yeah. I actually believe that that's probably true. I keep Narcan in my car. Yeah. Just and that's probably not you, the best thing. You see someone or something? Uh, or? I mean, the field I work in, you never yeah, know. And I right. sometimes go out on um, uh, house calls with friends. and I mean, t- I mean, t- not house calls, help calls for friends and family that call me and say, yeah. my daughter is da da da. And I always keep a Narcan kit on me. I mean, it's so important. What does it look like? It's a little needle? So, no, they now have nasal um, oh, injections. So you literally stick it up their nose, give a dose, wait four to seven minutes. If they're not responding, then you need to give another dose. And if they're not breathing, you need to start administering CPR yeah. immediately. I mean, it's just crazy. It's the times that we live in and we could go on and on about what the solution is but the bottom line is we need to be doing everything we can now to keep people alive because I mean, i'm sure many of these people are not trying to overdose yeah um so getting back to your story a little bit so you grew up and when did you know that you wanted to get into comedy well as a young kid like i knew i had a gift for impressions and things like that But growing up in L.A., I was actually, like, really kind of jaded. Like, I didn't think I wanted to pursue acting because I knew how hard it was. We always knew kids. We we had an agent when we were little. I You know, we'd come home and someone would be like, oh, Jenny Jones is doing a guest role on whatever. And we'd all sit down and watch it. Like, we all Mm. knew, like, people and also knew how hard it was. So I I didn't want to pursue it. But then after I graduated from college and I realized what life is about, I was like, you know what? everyone should do something that like really is something they're interested in. And I was like, oh, maybe I'll be a casting director. And then my friend goes, well, it's just as hard to make it on that end. So do do the thing that you really want to do. You really want to be in front of the camera. You want to do stand-up. You want to be, you know. So then um, I started pursuing it. And part of it really was too that knowing that like if I didn't pursue it, it would be like a real fuck you to God because I knew I had something that not everybody else had. And so I always try to tell people, like, if you're, you know, if you're, there's certain things that'll come easier to you that don't come easy to everybody else. I'm not athletic. Like, my, I could, uh, my most hated moment was when they picked the teams, you know? I'll go and stand and do stand-up in front of 10,000 people. Don't make me play soccer. Like, that's a nightmare for me. And I also think sometimes, like, teachers and stuff don't realize that because that's, like, a common thing that most people can play sports and they don't – if they're athletic, they take it for granted that everyone can be athletic. But when it comes, like, being on stage, everyone knows how scary that is for 99% of the people. This is what I'm good at. This is what I'm not. So let me pursue this. And then I – I took a little learning annex class, which are these classes that you would take. And at the end of the class, the girl, the woman was like, oh, and I'm also doing like a six-week program. And at the end, you'll have an actual night at the improv that you'll bring people to. And, you know, it's like a bringer show, so it's a self-produced show. And so I'm like, oh, if I have a deadline, I know I'll have an act by that date. And so then, and all my friends and family were really excited to come. And then once I did that, I was like, okay, now I can build on it now I know this is what I should be doing yeah amazing and then how did you come in contact with Chelsea and like start because that's when you came onto my radar was Chelsea lately was a huge show and you were on there regularly and right so I mean this is kind of before social media but I would see Chelsea at tv shows you know that we'd both be going out for the same thing or we'd both be doing stand-up together and I always thought she was like really great and funny and then I hadn't been doing stand-up for like 
I literally took a seven year break. I was still working on things. I wrote White Chicks and I got like a pilot and acting, but I wasn't doing stand up anymore because I lived far from the clubs and I wasn't an established stand up and it was just such a pain in the ass to do, you know? So I uh, was watching her on E a lot and I was like, oh, okay. So I got her style and then I started, and then all of a sudden I wanted to do it again because I was watching Last Comic Standing and I'm like, I don't want to do this. And out of the blue, the girl that put these shows together, these all-female shows that Chelsea was doing and, and Natasha Leggero and Sarah Colonna and all these girls, she was like, called me out of the blue and she's like, you know, I ran into so-and-so and I'm like, she's like, you were so good. I can't believe you quit stand-up. And I'm like, oh, did I quit? She's like, well, it's been seven years. So I was like, oh, all right. She goes, you want to do one of my shows? I'm like, yeah. She gave me like a month, like a month away. And I was like, holy shit, I have to come up with a whole cool act. I haven't done stand-up in, in eight years. That's yeah. so hard. And I just started like writing all these funny things about like being a mom and stuff. And I'd like call certain comedian friends that I was still friends with, like Ian Edwards and other people. And I'd like test it on him. And he'd be like, that's really funny. That's hacky. I depressed on my sister. And I put it all together. And I went and did stand-up and then I was doing, started to do those shows and then by like May, that was in August, and then th the following May, she was like, oh, Chelsea's going to do this show that's like five nights a week and it's a full-time job. And she's like, I don't know if I want to do a full-time job like that. And I go, well, I would. She goes, oh, text her right now and like submit. And so since I knew Chelsea's point of view and I knew E really well, it was like when E was really popular and I loved all that stuff. And I was like their exact demographic, like a young mom in her 30s. I was like exactly what who was watching E. And so I then got the job. And then I was like, okay, this this will be great for 13 weeks. I felt really bad about leaving my baby. I almost didn't think about doing it. And I called my one friend because my boys were like five and, you know, barely five and one and a half. And I was like, yeah, four and a half and one and a half. And I go, um, I'm like, I don't know if I could like leave and do a full-time job. And she goes, you know what? In 10 years, you're going to come home and those boys aren't going to look up from their Xbox and you're going to go, I can't believe up, I gave up that amazing opportunity. And I was like, you're fucking right. And she is right. I mean, my kids do look up, but they, they play Xbox now. Yeah. And, and I mean, those opportunities sometimes come when your babies are little. Yeah. And they don't come this, at the ideal this is time. This me right now. You know? So I get it. And, yeah. And... You know, and it's hard and you will miss stuff and you will have guilt and you will like break down. And but, you know, if you can establish your life where now I actually have more time with my kids now that they're older and I think almost at a more vulnerable age and they are going to be gone. They don't know that I miss the poetry reading mm -hmm. They're That's not going to be like the opening chapter of their book about their whole life. Yeah. You know, it's like so that part of it is hard and you know all of but I mean I don't regret any of that because the opportunity came then and then with that opportunity came now I can actually get a book deal when I was sitting at home and they were sleeping and I would have liked to have had a book deal and I could have leisurely done it no one was going to give me the book deal then you know yeah so it's like now I have to write the book on the weekends and don't get to spend the time with them for those few months that I really wanted to on the weekends but that's life you know and um so I'm so yeah, and then who would have thought that the show was such a hit and it was so fun and it was so creative and it was so collaborative and to have like met everybody like that and uh, and had so much fun. And and the show was would be so, we, we wouldn't have been able to exist with that point of view today. And it was only six years ago. Yeah, that it ended. Yeah. Yeah. And like that things have changed that yeah. much and it's kind of a bummer. 
But like, again, it'll swing around, you know, it'll come back around again, or there'll be, you know, and when people say you're not allowed, it's not like anyone's going to jail for what they're saying. It's just like, you're going to get some shit for it, you know, or you might lose a job or you might not get, you might not be the person, the spokesperson for Sprint. You know I mean? Those are the things that that can happen with like, you know, if you say something really bad and you're, you're at a level that you're like a spokesperson and the corporate sponsors of the TV shows are going to lose advertisers. You can't blame the show for that either. Like everyone's got to make money. What do you think about Chelsea's like new book? And I, I wouldn't, I don't, I wouldn't say a comeback because she never really went away. I don't really know how I would phrase that, but you know, I have my own personal feelings and that's fine. But, um, and then, but she has this new book out and I was listening to her on Howard Stern. I was like, wow, this is like a changed person. Like I don't even, well, I mean, it's like a very different person. The fact that she said, I went to therapy and I realized I have never had empathy for anyone Mm. is a little psychopathic. I don't know. I'm not a therapist, but Mm -hmm. I appreciate that she recognized that because that's 100% true. Yeah. That's Um, my feeling too. And I don't know if, if that can, I don't know how she went her whole life without that, but the fact that she has any of it now is a good sign. Yeah. I think. I mean, look, you know, um, you know, it was, a, it was a weird relationship I had with her. And when it ended, it, it was a lot like, it was a lot that I discovered that I didn't, one thing being that I was afraid of her. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was. And one time, and I it's was. It's funny to hear you say this because a woman who's helping me write my book used to be uh, pretty close with her, actually. Oh, okay. Like, really close. <laughs> we'll talk about that after. Uh, um, and so, she said the same thing. Oh, eggshells, heart scary. beating. Yeah. Scary, scary. And... I made the mistake of sharing those thoughts on um, a podcast and the podcast got out and it was like four years ago. And if you listen to the whole podcast, you would see that I was being really honest about myself, that I am like this Catholic girl that fucking is scared and scared of being fired and scared of pissing off anyone. And, you know, and she only heard that part and then really went on the offensive with me. Mm. And so it's just that was a big problem in my career as far as like people turning on me and and not hiring me for things and for so long I regretted sharing ever going on that podcast why why and then I had that day that I was like if that didn't happen I could have still been in a good place possibly with her maybe I would have worked on the other show I would have never pushed on my I only had the podcast so I had to put everything in the podcast in order to cure, keep a career going because nobody would work with me because the, the things that she had said about me were so career debilitating. And I, I tried to say they weren't true, but when you, it's Davy and Goliath and yeah. you're like, well, whatever, whatever. just let it go. Mm-hmm. And hopefully I'll just win people over. The more they get to know me, they'll know that that really isn't about me. And so then with her changing and, and going through this, I'm like, good, you know, do your thing, go for it. It was a great experience when I had that I had there. I made wonderful friends, but it's like she's just goes. She just you know is a different person now. So if people enjoy her stuff and the new Chelsea, then great. Yeah. Everyone can change. Everyone can change. Yes. Um. And I think you know it's interesting, and I think that um. 
when I, I think too that, you know, I talked in the beginning about grace, having grace for other people and I have grace for, I would say everybody. Yeah. Really. Um, I like, there are zero resentments against, I'm friends with Nick Ritchie. Do you remember Nick Ritchie from the dirty? Oh yeah. Okay. Like he slammed me. He put out yes. pictures of me like smoking heroin and like, we're like buddies now on like Instagram and like talk yeah. to each other. And I was like, are you in Orange County? Let's grab lunch. Like I have grace for like everybody. Yes. But I think there is something to be said, too, about time. Like, yeah. that, you know, you, you can't just go, oh, I'm different now. And everybody yeah. just, like, get with the program. Like, you know what I mean? I think it well, takes time. Yeah, for- and I think there's... But then I'm also like, oh, whatever, you know. Who cares? Yeah. You know, it's like, you know, if, if she's bringing... You know, if people are happy to see it, fine, you know. Yeah. Well, before we close, I want to, some people answered this, like, I didn't ask me anything on your, okay. <laughs> on my Instagram for you. Many of these are, woohoo, I love Heather. Oh, that's um, nice. Because everybody loves Heather. Um, and so we already did some of these, like, how do you feel about Chelsea Handler's new kind of yeah. persona? Not persona. But I, I will say, I, I, I watched the, um, the documentary. She made a documentary? Yeah. Okay, I'm going to have to watch that. Um, you know, and there, there was nothing about it. Like it just was a little bit, it wasn't anything, but I mean, I won't even get into it, but the one part that I got out of it was actually from one of the other people that she was said later on that she had to have therapy because it was a Republican woman. But this one Republican woman said, I think privilege is when some people, when someone has two parents in the home, in a stable home, a stable home, not necessarily two parents because there's a great single parents, a stable home, you know, not a crazy person, not anger, not abuse. Yeah. That is privilege. And I thought that part was interesting that people need to recognize that you are blessed if you have that and you need to be sensitive to people that are raised without it. Without it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so somebody, a couple of people actually really wanted to know your thoughts about Britney Spears. Did you talk about this in a recent episode or something? Well, I mean, I, I'm, you know, I don't want to make fun of it because I think there's definitely something wrong with her. But when she goes on her Instagram and she talks like this, and she's like, I'm a Scorpio. I love Scorpios. And I'm no, 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 like, she's just, it's just, it's crazy. It is. I mean, she is. And, and like, she does all those videos and she speeds them up where she's working out. And then her makeup is a mess and the hair is dark. And it's like, what is going on there? But I'm just sort of obsessed with it. I don't, I don't know what it is. Yeah. Um, and it's a little scary. Like I, I feel it's like so, she's, it's clearly like mental illness, and yes. I feel really bad about all the people who are like allowing this to like kind of continue. Because I almost feel like when the mental illness is at that degree, it's like someone needs to step in here. Do you think someone should like take her phone away? Like I she don't can't know. do Instagram? I, I feel like, but I then that's know. probably like God. Everything else is being taken from her, and she but probably it, loves seeing. Maybe that. she does, but like, what about all the people that are mean to her on there? And then she's reading all those comments, and it's probably fueling her mental illness even more. I would think. I, I would know. think so too. I mean, because she's probably, you know, she's reading the comments. Like she's on there a lot. I mean, doesn't so Instagram know? make us all mentally ill? Like I last it night does. it was the Emmys and I wasn't invited, you know, obviously. But I've had years where I was invited, not to the actual Emmys, but invited to like the parties around. Like I had a good publicist. I was, had some TV work going on. I was able to work my way into some NBC party and say hi to people and feel like, you know, be on a high for two days. And, and, I started to like go through Instagram. I'm like, you know what, Heather? 
Why don't you just not look at Instagram for a day? Absolutely. Why don't you just not see what everybody's beautiful gown is and who these people are that, you know, I used to do the after parties for E and I used to do these kind of things. And now it's, you know, people from The Bachelor doing it. And I'm like, well, that's life. Yep. You know, and like. And applause for self-care. But then there's people yeah. out there like Britney Spears who clearly like can't do self-care. Right. And like, I yeah. don't know. I don't know. That it's. Her and Lindsay Lohan are both very, the, those things actually make me sad. Like I can make fun with her of, accent. What happened? Remember when Lindsay was a Muslim for like a minute? Yes, and when she went after that family in the yeah. street and said they Listen were kidnapping me. that come, kid. Come with me right now. Well, I'm worried about her say? safety. Like you're gonna get like someone's gonna attack you for trying to take their kids away from them. Like I, ha- get I hung from- out with Lindsay one day yeah. in the Hamptons at Jill Zarin's house. I mean, she was, it was when she was doing some play in London that like lasted a week and she had like dating some like Irishman that had two kids and she, you know, she's going to be a stepmom and she's, and I'm like, this is never going to work out, but you know, she's right in front of you and someone's right in front of you like that. You're You're not, you're being nice. Yeah. You're like going along with like the craziness. Oh my God. Yeah. Um, what was your best memory are your the funniest thing that you've done drinking with Chris Jenner? Oh my god, the funniest thing I've done. Uh, the funniest thing I've done drinking with Chris Jenner. I mean, I mean, one Halloween I came as Chris Jenner, and my <laughs> husband came as Bruce Jenner, and that was when Bruce was Bruce, uh-huh. and that was a pretty fun night. Um, <laughs> I mean, yeah, when it's like a girls' night and it's it's fun. I mean, it's definitely like telling, calling on, sh- calling people on shit. I mean, one time I went to a dinner with her, and Al Cowlings was there, and that's who drove the Bronco um, when OJ was escaping oh the police God. or about to turn himself in. Uh-huh. And I had a few drinks. Yeah, your inhibitions were lower, and I was okay. like. So come on, Al, what do you think now? <laughs> and she's like Heather, and I was like. Hmm. So <laughs> I'm sorry. I think that that's great. Yeah. I love it. Well, thank you so much for coming thank on. You. On that note, we're going to leave on a real positive note today. Well, let guys. me just say to come to my stand up show. <laughs> yeah. So, if you, so when where you, can people yes. figure all of this stuff out? Well, you know, I'm going to be in Thousand Oaks. I uh, will be there. October uh, 18th and 19th at the Thousand Oaks Civic Arts Center. Um, I don't know when this is airing. You'll see me. I will be there. But I've got lots of dates. This weekend is Atlanta. I'm going to Portland, Nashville, Chicago, St. Louis, Detroit, you know, all these other places, La Jolla, the new year. So go to HeatherMcDonald.net. My podcast is Juicy Scoop. And it's when you want a little fun escape about pop culture and reality shows and fun and, uh, but still juicy. Sometimes it's juicy. Sometimes I have you on, sometimes I have mm-hmm. Kim Goldman on. So you read the description and hopefully you'll like all of them, but, um, that's it. I appreciate this. Thank so nice. Thank you for coming on. This week's affirmation is I'm becoming more confident and stronger each and every day. And so it is. If you guys liked this episode, do me a solid. Head over to the podcast app and make sure that you are subscribed to Recovering From Reality. Not just subscribed, but give me five stars if you really liked it. Comment, make a review. I really appreciate it. And if you're listening on your phone, you could even screenshot a picture of you listening and tag me up on Instagram and I'll do my best to share it within the community. So thanks for listening, you guys. And I hope you loved this episode.